So I've always been a pretty open-minded person when it comes to food, even when I was just a little kid. Um, My dad tells the story of us going out to eat at the Golden Corral with me and a friend of his. And I went up for seconds and came back with a plate filled to the brim with nothing but green peas. The friend had daughters of his own, and he looked at my dad with this unmasked awe, mouth agape, as though dad held the secret to achieving that lofty parental goal of convincing a child that vegetables were, in fact, delicious. Dad shook his head and shrugged. She's just weird, he said. But that weirdness meant that something about me was already in place to get over some of the typical food hatreds that we have as children. Growing up in small-town Kansas meant that Taco Bell was about as exotic as food got. Um, That and mountain oysters, I don't know if you have them here. Anyway, I resolved as an adult to give everything a try at least once and to get the best version of it to give that food like a fair shot, right? Which is how, in my first year of seminary, I ended up in Washington, D.C., at a fancy Mexican fusion restaurant downtown, staring at a plate of grasshopper tacos. (laughs) So, beyond my stated openness to food experiences... I also consider myself a, you know, fairly enlightened, open, liberally-minded person. I also consider myself someone who cares about ecology. I read with interest how bugs might be our best and most responsible option for food in our planet's future. On top of that, I've been a big fan of John the Baptist since I discovered him in high school, our long-haired, loud-mouthed, biblical hippie who lives off of wild locusts. I'm just trying to say that there were so many things here on the side of me enjoying this plate of grasshopper tacos. But as I lifted the corn tortilla to my mouth and saw under the dollop of guacamole the individual legs and thoraxes bound together in the chili sauce. I was filled with this stomach-dropping revulsion. This is probably the closest I'll get to feeling what Peter did in our first reading that Fred gave us from Acts. That day when Peter went into a trance and saw a vision. A sheet, he said, descended from heaven holding all manner of ritually unclean animals, which the Lord then told him to eat. Now this story occurs in the earliest days of the church. And as I mentioned last week, these are good and faithful Jews who suddenly realize that the salvation promised to them has come at last, in a way they never expected. And a major piece of what was unexpected was that this salvation was meant somehow for far more people than just themselves. Gentiles, like you and me, are brought into this work being done by Christ. 
And this presents some significant roadblocks for good and faithful Jewish folks like Peter. I think you and I might hear this story of Peter's vision with only Gentile ears. We read of the dietary restrictions of the Hebrew scriptures, and we scoff, don't we? We say, can you imagine a life without pork or shellfish or meat served with dairy? We say things like, thank goodness we're not being held to that. And so when we tell the story of Peter's vision, we might see his large sheet as a picnic blanket descending from heaven full of all of our favorite things, bacon and shrimp and grits and cheeseburgers. But the actual feeling here is disgust, the stomach-dropping revulsion of being told to eat grasshoppers or dog or for your non-weird children, a plate filled with only green peas. Revulsion, disgust, is a powerful force for us humans, and we've felt it in far more than what we eat at the dinner table. People weren't upset about Peter eating non-kosher. Did you read what they said? They said, how can you eat with a person like this? We feel it toward people, what they do, the way they think, what they believe, who they live with, who they love. A mild example of this might come from my days at seminary where we had a large international population, some of whom couldn't understand why Americans covered up the perfectly natural smell of a human body with such noxious and insistent perfumes. And you can imagine how the Americans felt in reverse. A more insidious example is that I grew up knowing exactly zero gay people in my life, but I sure knew a ton of jokes about them, all centered around an easy punchline of deep, instinctual disgust. Food has always been a powerful symbol of taboo, In more ways than whether or not you're repulsed by a chicken leg versus a grasshopper leg. It's always been one of the ways you could tell you were around your sort of person. Whether they kept kosher or halal or a vegetarian among a family of ranchers. Whether you call it tailor ham or pork roll. You can tell who your people are through it. God asks Peter to face a deep and instinctual division. The work of reconciliation that God is enacting in the world has never been about erasing the things that make you uncomfortable or afraid. It has always been about going to those boundaries, swallowing your disgust, and stepping over a line in the name of love. It's messy and imperfect and certainly not easy, but it is where God promises to be. And of course, God starts the work of undoing these divisions for Peter with a dinner table. Yes, of course he does. 
He chose a shared meal as the way to show how we are reconciled to God and one another. By the way, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more universally repulsive taboo than being told to eat a person's flesh and drink his blood. And isn't that the point? It's like every week a sheet descending from heaven, overflowing with the mystery of a life you've never allowed yourself to touch. Take, eat, eat. 